stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm joined by Zach's Momentum Trader and Surprise Trader Portfolio Manager, Dave Bartosiak, to discuss one of our favorite topics here, and that's how to invest in blockchain and the cyber currencies like the Bitcoin. Now, Dave and I already discussed this topic a couple months ago in the middle of 2017 about whether or not there was a bubble in the Bitcoin market and um, just these cyber currencies in general, but we're moving beyond that now. So we're going to discuss ways in which you can invest in some of these technologies. Um, so Dave, like this, this podcast is reminding me a lot of when we did the pot stocks podcast <laughs> early in 2017, we did, we did a how to invest in the pot stocks and there wasn't a lot of ways to invest in the pot stocks, um, right. a couple months ago. Stocks are killing it though. The ones, recently. the ones that we did find, or yeah, because of this deal with Constellation Brands. Oh, that thing, yeah. We're gonna have to do so another one on the pot stocks because at least yeah, now that Constellation Brands, right? Now that they invested in this Canadian, um, what are they? They're just like a, are they? Are they already making the beverages up there? I don't know. No, they're just like well, a pot, a pot company right up there. So they're gonna put I, it in the beverages, uh, supposedly. In Canada. In some beverages. There's going to be like a cannabis Corona. Right. Right. I right. Think that's what it was. I think so. Because um, Canada is going to legalize it by 2018. Wasn't that the thing or something? I think so. Yeah. They're, they're a little bit more lenient up there. Yeah. So that's a big um, deal that Constellation Brands, a big company like that, is getting in there. But other than that, there wasn't a lot else to talk about investing in the pot stocks now. And so the, the cryptocurrencies and the blockchain kind of feels similar to me, that these are new technologies. It's hard to find publicly traded companies that are in this space. A lot of the names I kind of saw out there were, you know, if they are traded, they are like market cap of $10 million <laughs> and you're not sure they're making any money, a lot like those pot companies we saw. Um, so it seems a little early to to be looking around for investment opportunities, but I was surprised at some of the big names that are now in in here. So I feel like if we start to talk about the, um, I don't know, well, you want us to talk about blockchain first? Does that make more sense? Yeah, I think that makes sense. Because that's like the uh, building block, right? Right, so basically the blockchain is the distributed ledger that accounts for where these cryptocurrencies happen to be. So that gives you the security of the whole crowd that's getting that blockchain distributed or that ledger rather distributed to them. So really it's a way to serve as an intermediary uh, for financial transactions without having your traditional big banks or credit card companies or whatever as those intermediaries. So right now when we go to the store, plop down our Visa card and we buy something, Visa's getting in on the action because they're basically guaranteeing the store that that money is, in fact, going to be there from me. So Visa gets in on the action that way, and they get to siphon off you know, a transaction fee from all the retailers. With the blockchain, what it allows for is getting rid of that intermediary that's in between guaranteeing the funds because the blockchain technology overall and that distributed ledger already guarantees that those funds are going to go from point A 
to point B for a fraction of, you know, the cost of your traditional, you know, payment processing. So the real appeal is in being able to drop those transaction costs on financial transactions and cut out some of the, you know, some of the bigger banks. And I think that's why initially you got people like Jamie Dimon coming out and being very cautious about Bitcoin in general uh, and cryptocurrencies and blockchain uh, because they kind of, they have a franchise to protect, right? They don't, they don't want the, the distributed blockchain to just be the way that business is done. And granted, you know, you know how it is with these technologies. You have this sort of pie in the sky idea of where this could potentially go. And then you have, you know, the other extreme of it being a complete failure. And the truth is somewhere in between. Uh, I think about Peapod all the time. When Peapod first came out and all like the hype around it was like, that's it. No one's ever going to go to the grocery store anymore. We're just going to sit at home and order Peapod and it's just going to come to our house. And of course, that's not the case, right? We're still going to we're still going to the grocery stores to pick out our fruits and vegetables and and uh, meats and everything else. So I think here with the blockchain, while it will be a disruptive technology that's going to change the way that some of these payments are processed and such, it's not necessarily you know the death of the big bank. Yeah, I saw that. Um, I saw a stat that said the market size for just blockchain technology could be. 2.3 billion by 2021, which seems really small to me. I was like, "What? 2.3 billion? That that's not that big." But that's it is. By trans, you mean by transactions or just the market size of it? That's you know that would be like revenue that these companies could make off of blockchain technology, like providing it yeah. to other companies. So um, it doesn't sound that big, but it, it, it is already being used in banking, as you mentioned, finance, obviously, and healthcare is really eyeing it too. Like any type of business where there's a lot of documents or digital assets. And I always give an example that I saw of it, and this is kind of the first place I noticed the blockchain. Um, I just happened to be one day uh, spending my time on the Cook County Recorder of Deeds site here in Chicago. That's the big county here. And that's where all the deeds are recorded. And you can just go in and and see um, another uh, another wild Saturday night. Yes, um, <laughs> on the Cook County Recorder of Deeds site, and on there they had like an announcement that said um, blockchain technology is now here. Like they are they're using it, but that makes sense because they're handling a ton of you know documents and digital documents, and so the blockchain technology is really helpful to someone like them that literally has millions of deeds recorded in there. So. Um, that's one area where I saw it. And I know that they're going to, you know, that healthcare is another big area because if you think about all those medical records and what goes on there. Sure. Yeah. With the deeds, I mean, it's especially, um, especially good for that whole industry because if you think about it, uh, a lot of this with, you know, properties going back and forth, um, you want to know the history of that property, who has owned it in the past, you know, so with, with the blockchain, you can have these sort of these little packets, these sort of smart contracts that go out containing the entire history of a single property, and that can help stop fraud right? because you know who's owned it before and, you know, it goes all the way back. So not only does that help out, you know, um, fixing fraud on, on a smaller scale there, but if you go out into the grand scheme of things, I mean, it's going to help you avoid lawsuits in the future because you're going to have details of specifically who owned it when, and, and that can, you know, continue to be passed on. 
um, as long as the property is there. So it definitely cuts back on the paperwork, but it also cuts off on a lot of the sort of the dead weight loss to society that we get of this checking and double checking and triple checking of everything that has to take place now manually. Well, yeah, some of the title companies, I'm sure, will be using this technology as well. Absolutely. Um, so the big players in this, it is available on cloud platforms. So it's all the cloud players is what I discovered. So that's kind of cool that you combine blockchain with the cloud area. And Microsoft appears to be the leader just um, looking around um, on the Azure cloud platform. And they just are launching a government uh, site for this, which again is another great place. I mean, who you know, obviously Cook County Recorder of Deeds is a government website and all of these government entities create tons of documents. <laughs> they just do. Right. So there's a lot of paperwork. So um, Microsoft is one good way to play it. IBM too, also has IBM Blockchain. That's their public cloud service. And then Amazon has it through the AWS because they partnered with this company called Digital Currency Group to offer it on on there. But um, they seem to be maybe the third player in the blockchain area for this. So um, those are a couple names that I would be watching and I would want to own if I was interested in owning the blockchain aspect of it. Um, yeah, the, the cloud infrastructure makes perfect sense for a distributed ledger because um, it's not you know, centralized in just one location. You can get access to it from anywhere in the world. What do you think right. of the banks um, really moving into this area and the and the cryptocurrencies, even though Jamie Dimon says, oh, we don't care about Bitcoin and it's dumb and all this stuff, but they're no fools. If they see someone, you know, challenging their space, uh, why not just go into it yourself? Yeah, absolutely. And he, you know, but I mean, he did issue some pretty valid warnings, though. Because I guess that's the other uh, distinction that I wanted to make here is you have this technological idea of the blockchain. And then you have all of these little initial coin offerings coming out. Um, and I think that's where a lot of the skepticism and a lot of the fraud potential comes from. Because these people are basically, you know, doing IPOs in a completely unregulated market and raising the funds via these cryptocurrencies. And that's really where a lot of the concern was, is that, you know, why, why are there thousands and thousands of these initial coin offerings coming out every day? And what are you actually investing in when you're buying into one of these initial coin offerings? And who's vetting that process? So, and that also kind of sparked uh, the SEC's interest here, because um, they're taking a look at it like, wait a minute, just because you're, you know, raising money in Bitcoin doesn't mean you're not raising money. And uh, that's a problem, and that has to be regulated out there. So um, I think his concerns, obviously, were protecting his franchise because they want to be the financial intermediary. They want to be the one in the middle. They want to be the, the, the middleman in all of these transactions. But the other part was he was definitely warning about these ICOs. And I've had, you know, I, I've got some people in, in, our, in our chat room that have done some work in some of these ICOs. Me, personally, I haven't touched them because uh, because of the skepticism that I have, because I don't know who these companies are, who the players are behind it, and how can you really trust it. That's the part that I get sketchy on. Um, but the actual, you know, cryptocurrencies themselves, uh, the big ones, you know, the Bitcoins, the Litecoins, the Dogecoins, and, 
uh, an Ethereum of the world, like those, I, I can understand a little bit better. Um, and I, and I think you can, you can invest in those. And we've been talking about, it seems every other week, somebody tries to bring a Bitcoin ETF to the market. Yep. They and keep they haven't had, they haven't had any success yet, but eventually it's bound to happen. Yeah. With the, with the CME coming through and announcing their futures contract in Bitcoin, I think that's another way you can invest in this technology is just by scooping up shares of CME Group. Yeah. Because if they're going to facilitate all that trade, not only are they legitimizing it, but now they stand to profit um, from the proliferation of this technology and the popularization of, of these cryptocurrencies in general. So that's, that's definitely a good way to play it. And, and CME Group has been right up there at the top of the Zach's ranks for a while now. seems like they're always having their estimates ticking up to the upside as, you know, there's more and more trading, more and more interest in these markets than as we push towards all-time highs seemingly every day. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good way that I feel a lot of people can invest in it. Same with buying into those that are doing the blockchain for the cryptocurrencies are those who are building the infrastructure around it and not necessarily in the currencies themselves. Um, so as well, you the, said, the CME. Picks, the picks and the axes, right? Yeah. That's who got rich in the gold rush. Right. on the picks and the axes. Right. So that's definitely, you know, one way to do it. And another way other than CME um, is Visa. We were talking about that news ju that just came out a couple days ago about how they approved this Monaco cryptocurrency card. Now, this is only for Singapore residents, but it's a prepaid card backed by that cryptocurrency called Monaco. And so if you have that, you can then um, basically convert it into other types of regular money, <laughs> regular sure. stuff. So that, it seems huge to me. And they said, Visa said that they um, got about 17,000 cards were pre-reserved when they made this announcement in Singapore. So that's a lot of people using this Monaco cryptocurrency, but this, this legitimizes some of the cryptocurrencies because now you have a way to get it, to move it from a cryptocurrency into something else. Sure. On the, in, in right away. You know the, the ability to do that on the spot because um, I think that's that's part of the uh, sort of the barrier to the actual utility of it. Um, in some places, you know, here in the U.S., it's a little bit tougher. Um, at least it's not as popular because I, I mean right. I, I I couldn't tell you what's the quickest way to spend my Bitcoin right now aside from some of the retailers I know that take it. Yeah, like uh, uh, you were telling me that there's a Ferrari dealership. Is that on your agenda with your Bitcoin? <laughs> um, so I, 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 as funny as this sounds, like I am dead serious that I am saving for my Ferrari down payment <laughs> with Bitcoin. Well, the way Bitcoin is going, it might not take that much longer. I'm not even joking. I don't I know what you started with. I know. I know. Uh, I'm not joking. What, I, can, I, can tell you, I can tell you what I started with. Um, is up about sixty percent. Wow! Um, okay. Since starting with it. Okay. Um, but here's a, so there's a Ferrari dealer on the West Coast um, that takes it. Okay. Um, but that's sort of a novelty thing. I yeah. think that's like a marketing gimmick for them because they go, "Oh yeah, we'll take Bitcoin." Um, there's also a Lambo dealership out there that, that does it, and, and actually a famous a, a YouTube. I, I saw a YouTube video not long ago of the guy who bought his Lambo with Bitcoin. 
Uh, but the funny part about it is the Lamborghini that he bought, the Bitcoin was actually like a Bitcoin investment he'd made way back in the day. So it was pretty funny. So his actual Lamborghini ended up costing him something like $1,500. Wow. Because that's, that's what he had invested in Bitcoin originally in order to get to the $330,000 to buy that Huracan. But anyway, it's not, uh, I I, I guess I'm not one of those guys that thinks that Bitcoin is going to go to, you know, 1 million in a year or something silly like that. Um, I just think that there's real utility in Bitcoin um, in countries that, in economies, that it's tough for us to relate to here in the U.S. So here you've never had, well, I guess savings and loan crisis, but, and then during the Depression, but kind of overall, you're really never worried about having $50,000 in the bank and being able to get $50,000 out of the bank in order to do whatever you needed to do with it, right? right. Whatever 50000 would buy you, okay? But in these developing countries, where they have bank problems or they have a currency that's hyperinflating like Venezuela, um, they don't have the banking system that we do up here. So this sort of parallel universe of the cryptocurrencies is a way for people in those developing nations to access a more stable banking system that they wouldn't normally have access to and all the sort of benefits that are involved in that. So that's kind of, I think, the hidden utility of these cryptos that we don't talk about enough in the U.S. that helps to justify, you know, part of of the valuation. Now, do you how much of this do you think is like gimmicks, as you were saying? Because I saw news that uh, the singer Bjork is accepting cryptocurrency payments for her new album. And then there's a restaurant in New York City, a French bistro called La Serene. They will only take American Express, a personal check, cash, and the Bitcoin. No Visa or MasterCard. And so this made okay, news that a couple. Like a personal beef that that guy has a Visa. And I don't know, but I feel like you know they might have just slapped Bitcoin on there, and the press has never followed up because this was months ago. This they've been doing this, and nobody ever followed up to ask them. Hey, has anyone ever? ever spent Bitcoin. Like, I kind of want to know. Yeah. Like, did anybody? I, I doubt it. They put an ATM out in front of the restaurant because, you know, they don't take the Visa MasterCard. So you need cash then. Sure. But um, I, I do kind of want to know if anyone is is spending it in this way, like an average currency is spent, but nobody has told us yet if they are. Like, I really want Bjork to tell us, hey, 10 people ordered my album and bought it with the cryptocurrency. Like, I want to know. Right. But until I'm I sure start, people have. Yeah, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure people have, but it's probably not the norm. Again, I keep talking about YouTube because that's what my TV is now. I don't even have cable. I'm just YouTuber, um, and I've seen uh, there's a few people on there that do not even deal in U.S. dollars. Like the guy lives in L.A. and his whole life is via Bitcoin, and it's been that way for the last like five years. What? How does he survive? Yeah. He uses like... Bitcoin. But he must use like Visa, yeah. Mastercard to like go and get no. groceries. How do you pay for groceries? He does not. I'll, I'll All have right. to get the, that. Sounds uh, the more complex than I'm aware of. Something yeah. is strange going on there. But <laughs> well, the other thing, the other thing too is you know, just because we haven't seen it here doesn't mean it's not more prevalent in other cities 
or in other, you know. Right. Uh, oh, for sure. World, for sure. For sure. I know in Japan, you can pay for things in Bitcoin almost everywhere. Right. And we know because Visa just is now offering this, you know, uh, prepaid card backed by the Monaco currency that 17,000 people in Singapore want that. So that's not a small number. No, so. no, it's a pretty big number, and it's just going to get bigger. And when you think of, you know, the Chinese putting currency controls, uh, you know, on uh, on the yuan out there, and and that's kind of what this whole Bitcoin thing is a backlash on. It's like, no, we don't want any in, any singular monetary authority that's going to tell me what my money's worth. Yeah. Um, and this is the sort of thing that just was not you couldn't even fathom this, you know, thirty years ago. No. But we didn't have the technology. Like, no, we didn't. But you yeah. didn't know, like, think of what Facebook has done just to revolutionize the way that we interact with our friends right? via the computer and news stories and things like that. So when you think about the blockchain, I think you have to think of it as a monetary revolution. It's like the Internet of money. And yeah. that's why it's kind of it's abstract in a way that it's hard to kind of wrap your mind around it. But I think when you start to think of it that way, then you know, you start to answer some of these questions like, oh, what if the government, you know, shuts it down? The government can't shut it down. Right. Like, you, you can't stop something like an idea. And that's essentially what this Bitcoin is. It's an idea of what if everybody had this distributed ledger that knew where everything was, and we no central, you know, bank could tell us that they're going to print more and devalue what we have. And we all just collectively agree on what the value of this is. I feel like John Blank right now. Like I know. <laughs> You're like a secret economist. <laughs> um, but I do have one quick question as we were talking about those futures contracts on the CME. Uh, what will happen to Bitcoin when you can finally short it? Because right now there's yeah. no shorting. That is a huge question. And that's something that I've been trying to wrestle with also. Yeah, that sounds, what it could happens, be a little dubious. <laughs> what happens when you can short right. Bitcoin? But, but, but think about this, though. Here's the other part, okay? Now, futures contracts in general, you have hedgers and you have speculators. So the hedgers are the ones who, you know, have a bazillion, you know, XYZ widgets to deliver at a future date, right? So they go in and they want to guarantee that price in the market, and that's why they use the futures market to do that. Who who needs to deliver Bitcoin at a future date right now? Like, I don't know who the hedgers in that market are going to be, and maybe that's just because, you know, it's... Wow. I, I just don't... I just don't... We just don't know yet, and yeah. eventually... Obviously, the CME has an idea of who the hedgers might be, um, and probably they're seeing a lot of these hedge funds, right, loading up on these Bitcoins, and they want to give them a chance to offset some of their risk. So maybe that that happens. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is, well, at least here, I know U.S. residents who haven't really been able to buy Bitcoin on margin. So on the same token of not being able to short it, um, how many people are buying on on the margin or at the type of margin that Futures contracts offer. Right. 
So, so this will all be, yeah, this will be real interesting to watch. There'll be a lot of developments over the next year, I feel. So I do think we're going to be re-examining this topic again, because there'll be more ways to invest in all of this area. The same way with the pot stocks. We will revisit that again in 2018, Dave, because um, yeah, there's some to, more opportunities there. Let's do it on April 20th. <laughs> nice. Yeah, maybe we should. Um, so for those who are interested right now in investing in this area, some of the stocks we mentioned are the big name guys because they are building out the infrastructure essentially. So you have Microsoft, which is MSFT, IBM, which is this IBM. Amazon is a player in there, AMZN, Visa with the V, CME Group. That's just CME, isn't it? I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah. CME. Um, you can do some of the big banks like JP Morgan and they are JPM. Um, so there's a, there's a few names there. There's, there's some interesting the overstock things in there. Oh yeah. Overstock. They're taking the Bitcoin, right? One of the bigger retailer guys online shopping to take it. Yeah, that's that's o- that OSTK. Who else? Etsy? Etsy might be doing oh, it. Oh, I didn't too. hear that. Okay. I'll have to check on that one so that that's another way, a kind of a roundabout way, though, of getting in yeah. on, on that. So, so yeah, these are a lot of good names. And we will check back in to see what else is happening, especially when some of these ETFs launch, because I do think some of those may be launching once we get these future contracts up and running. Um, and we'll see what the SEC does and regulations with this area will be interesting as well. So if you want to hear our pot, uh, podcast from earlier this year, uh, be sure to check that out on SoundCloud or on iTunes. I don't remember. Dave, when did we do that? It was like January or something. January or February. It was, it was a long... It was early in the year. It was a while ago. Yeah. It was early in the year. So you're going to have to go... I remember. Yeah. You're going to have to go back a while. Go, I had to go to my garage to take the call. That's because right. we were doing... Construction. construction yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. So we had Dave in his car talking about pot stocks. It was very interesting show. But um, yeah, if you're interested still in what's going on in that area, you definitely check out that podcast and you can check out our Is Bitcoin a Bubble podcast. That was from the summer. I think it was August. Uh, so you can check out that one as well. And be sure to subscribe to get all of our podcasts so you don't miss any of these hot topics because there's some interesting investment opportunities going on out there. And you can subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. So I'll see you again next time.